Welcome to the Damn Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Bree, and I'm a full-time online fitness coach, and my passion is to educate women on all things fitness. I help women just like you step into the power of knowledge and commitment to ultimately live your best and strongest life. In this podcast, we'll talk about being damn strong in our body, mind, and life. I'll be teaching you how to navigate nutrition, strength training, and mindset challenges. So get ready to take some notes because we're building a damn strong life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about common tracking mistakes. And man, I love talking about nutrition and tracking. I think I've just spent so many years really harboring down on making it easier for myself, making it not this huge, complicated thing and making it so that way, you know, for me, myself and my clients, that it's not this huge, daunting, terrible awful tasks to do, right? And so we're going to go through some of the common tracking mistakes that I see with clients when they first come to me, things that I see people ask me on uh, social media or in my DMs. And these are things that you could definitely tighten up and probably see more progress when you tighten up these things. But some things you may not even think about when it comes to your tracking. So we're going to go through all of these today um, and really utilize this time to just really dig in. I'm going to go through some things where you're like, yeah, I've heard that before. And some things you may not even thought about Um, But let's go through all of these because I'm super excited to chat on this today. All right, so let's just dive into it. The first one is not using a food scale or measuring in ounces slash grams. This is probably one that you've heard before. Um, So again, stick with me. We've got a lot of these that I want to go through, but you need to be using a food scale and not measuring with cups slash tablespoons or even just estimating and eyeballing stuff, right? If you're eyeballing your foods, you're more than likely off. Eyeballing is really a skill that you acquire after you've tracked. I have tracked so much chicken breast and so many potatoes and so much rice and chips and all these different things. I can literally eyeball 28 grams of cheese. I can eyeball 28 grams of potato chips because I've done it for so long. And so eyeballing and estimating really comes after you have tracked enough and have estimated that tracking, right? And so you're thinking, okay, what's so bad about cups and tablespoons? Cups and tablespoons are really not that accurate. I challenge you, maybe pause this podcast or, you know, while you're still listening, go over into your kitchen right now and I want you to grab a cup and I want you to, you know, scoop a cup of rice or scoop a cup of something or, I don't know, go into your fridge and pull out the jelly, right? And it probably says the serving size one tablespoon. Scoop your size or scoop yourself a serving of jelly, a tablespoon, and then put a plate or a bowl or whatever you want on a scale. And then I want you to measure that out and see how much over it actually is when you use a tablespoon or a cup. You'll actually, it's a good lesson for you to see of like how off that can be. And so you might scoop and you're like, well, it's only 10 grams off. Well, okay, but if that's 10 grams over with your jelly and then your peanut butter and then your granola and your yogurt and you're constantly off throughout the entire day, that can add up over time. Right. And so I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world to be measuring with cups and tablespoons. Maybe that's where you start. Right. But I would just go ahead and just bite the bullet, get a food scale and start measuring things in ounces and grams. Whatever's on the back of your nutrition label for food says grams, this is ounces, even this is milliliters. Make sure you get a scale that weighs out milliliters for you. That's how you should be measuring it. You should not be measuring with cups or tablespoons. A lot of times, maybe I'll eyeball stuff in cups or tablespoons. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? If I understand that, you know, 45 grams of oatmeal is about a fourth of cup, when I go out to brunch or something like that and I order oatmeal, I can be like, okay, that looks like about a fourth of a cup. So I'm going to track that as 45 grams in my fitness pal 
because I know what about a fourth a cup looks like. So measuring with cups and tablespoons really can become potentially helpful once you understand serving sizes, right? Again, when you're going out to dine out to eat, you'd be like, okay, that's about a fistful of meat, which a fistful is about six ounces. Again, there's a lot of things you can use like cups and tablespoons with estimating for, but really hunker down on measuring things out in grams and ounces and through again, tracking over time. Then if you ever need to estimate things in the future, because you don't have a scale or whatever it may be, then you can be like, okay, in my brain, I know again, oatmeal is a fourth of a cup. I know a fourth of a cup is about 45 grams. I know what it looks like roughly when I make it at home. And so I'm going to track it at so make sure you are using a food scale. They're, they're not that expensive. You can go on Amazon right now, probably get one overnighted to you. Um, I do have on my Instagram page, if you go to my highlights, there's a link tab. If you click on there, I have the scale that I use. It's nothing special. I just, this one I like about it is it does not only grams and ounces, it has fluid ounces and it has milliliters. I like having all of those settings, um, but it's really nothing special. Okay, the next common tracking mistake is searching my fitness pal for calories of a food. And this actually pertains to any type of searching system, right? Whether you're using my fitness pal, you're using lose it, you're losing chronometer. Searching these apps for your food is not a great idea. The reason why is because these apps are super, super user-friendly, which is great, right? But the downside is they're so user-friendly that anyone could put anything in for calories, right? If you've used MyFitnessPal for a long time, you know you can go to more and go to My Foods and Recipes and add in your own foods. All of those foods and recipes and meals that you make on MyFitnessPal get added to the public database, right? So when you are going through, when you type in, you know, uh, Nutella Toast, I don't know why that came to mind, but it did, and you search MyFitnessPal for Nutella Toast, there's probably going to be 25 different entries and they're all different calories right? Maybe that's not the best example, but you could do like, you know, oh, I, I, I one that would definitely be a lot of different calories is like tacos, right? There's so many different types of tacos and you could narrow it down, but beef tacos, but is it 80-20 beef? Is it 90-10 beef? Is it, you know, cooked in extra oils and sauces, right? There's going to be different varieties that come with tacos. And so don't search for your calories of food on my fitness pal. Uh, a lot of times I see clients do this where they will go to Google to kind of get an idea, which is something I encourage my clients, right? If there's something they're trying to track, there's a few options that I give them. And one of those is to go to Google, type in something and look up multiple recipes with the calories and then kind of come to an understanding of where they think the calories might be. A lot of times what happens is they will type in, you know, calories for tacos is not a good example, but calories for a quiche. Quiche is a good one. Recipe calories for a quiche. And the first link is actually my fitness pal link, or it's a Nutrix, I think is how you pronounce it. It's nutrition with an IX at the end, or it's like fatsecretdiary.com. It's all of these databases for food, which is not an accurate place to be looking, right? If you're looking for a quiche to see how many calories, I'd probably first go to like La Madeleine. Um, La Madeleine, I believe, has quiches, the chain French bakery breakfast restaurant. I'd look there first. And then if I couldn't find it there, then I'd pull up multiple recipes online and I would actually probably pick the highest calorie option and use that for my tracking. Um, but the biggest error I see is clients will come, they'll track stuff and I'll ask how they track something. I'll be like, oh, I just searched it on MyFitnessPal. Big no-no. I don't ever want you to use MyFitnessPal to track or to get the calories for food. MyFitnessPal is basically just an electronic pen and paper. 
right? You're getting your calories and uh, serving for your calories from one, the nutrition label, two, looking up a menu online for a restaurant, or three, you can use like a grocery store, look up items individually, ingredients for stuff, um, and then putting that into MyFitnessPal. At no point, do not look up MyFitnessPal for your calories of food. Okay, next one I want to talk about is underestimating on your tracking. And this kind of ties in uh, with dining out to eat, right? So when you go out to eat, you know, a lot of times you can just look up the place that you're dining out at and look for their nutrition menu, pull that up, and then get the calories for what you're eating. Easy peasy. There's a lot of times where you'll go out to eat and it's like a mom and pop place. Maybe it's a hole in the wall. Maybe you're just getting pizza at your favorite pizza place, right? You don't want to go to Domino's and get Domino's pizza. You want to go to this down the street place that you love. It's not something super crazy different, right? It's just pizza, right? Pizza's kind of is pizza. Making sure that you're overestimating instead of underestimating your tracking, right? So when you go to this mom and pop place, let's use pizza for example, right? You could pull up Domino's, pull up their calories for their pizza and do kind of like an apples to apples, the best you can comparison. But a lot of time what I find happens is people will try to track their slices of pizza, maybe their burger, and they're like, no way is this burger 800 calories. I don't have 800 calories today. And so they keep scrolling through. Maybe they're searching on my fitness pal. Maybe they're looking up a burger for uh, Grub Burger, or they're using Smash Burger, or they're using Red Robin, looking up their burger. And they're like, oh my gosh, if I track this burger at 800 calories, I'm gonna be over my calories. And then in their brain, they justify why this burger isn't 800 calories and they track it as 600 so they can stay within their calories. And they're underestimating their tracking. When you go out to eat and you're not sure on calories, you always want to overestimate just in case, right? So if I pull up a burger, let's say I'm having a, a burger with a bun, cheese, lettuce, tomato, and some aioli so sauce on it. So I pull up Grub, Grub Burger. I pull up, I think it's called their porch burger. Has all the same things, right? It has aioli on it. It has lettuce, tomato, cheese, uh, what's it called? Meat um, and a bun. Right. So say I'm ordering that and I go on to I'm going to some other hole in the wall place, but I'm going to pull up Grub Burger, pull up their burger one. And maybe it's 780 calories for that burger. Well, I know it's not quite an apples to apples comparison, right? This uh, place I'm going to, the burger patty could be a little bit bigger. Um, they could use some extra oils and stuff like that to cook their burger. Um, maybe they'll put the quite the same amount of aioli sauce on it. Maybe they use more aioli sauce. Maybe they actually grill their burger bun with some butter. I could technically probably ask the place that I'm going to if they grill it with butter so I know that. But since it's not an apples and apples comparison, you know, if I see that the one at Grub Burger 780 calories, I'm just going to probably round up from, you know, 780 to 850, right? I'm just going to add, I'm going to round up a little bit. I could round up from 780 to 800 just to account for any extra 20 extra calories. But just to be safe, I'm going to overestimate the calories. I'm just going to round up to 850 because I know it's truly not an apples to apples comparison. Instead of being like a red apple to red apple comparison, it's more like a Granny Smith to a Red Delicious comparison. They're close. They're both apples. They're both burgers. But there might be some variations. And so I'd rather overestimate my tracking so that I know I'm going to be accurate. Because remember, at the end of the day, whether you underestimate your calories and, you know, on my fitness pal, your calories look to be in the green, it doesn't change the reality, right? A lot of time when we're tracking, we have a hard time seeing us go over our calories. Let's say your calories are 1800 for your deficit. Whether you track at 1800 or you track at 1600 or you track at 1950, whatever calories you ate that day is, is the reality, right? Just because you track it on my fitness pal as 18, you know, as 600 calories, so you hit the 1800 calories, 
doesn't negate that you probably went over your calories. And this is a hard thing I feel like for a lot of people to get through because they have a hard time feeling defeat, right? And so this kind of let's let's even just dive into my next point. My next point in common tracking mistakes is not tracking even when you go over your calories and how that kind of ties in the last one is we can even add this one, you know, underestimating your calories or under tracking your calories so that we don't feel like you've gone over, right? So kind of two parts to a common tracking mistake. So let me repeat that because I kind of went all over the place. One, not tracking your food even when you go over your calories. And two, underestimating your calories so you don't over track or over go on your calories. And there's two errors here. But let me let me go into this next one of not tracking even when you go over your calories. You're doing yourself a disservice when you do that. One, again, by not tracking when you go over your calories, it doesn't automatically eliminate the calories for that day, right? You are having a hard time accepting that you didn't hit the goal that you had. And instead of ignoring it, negating it, just just trying to not understand that, you know, you didn't hit that goal, use it as a learning moment, right? And a lot of times you didn't undo things like you thought you did, right? So the biggest reason we want to still continue to track even with go over, one, it helps you be more aware of your calories. How much should you go over, right? Let's say you go over to a friend's um, and they're having a pizza night. They order Domino's, so it's really easy for you to track. You're having some drinks. You know, maybe you're having a couple beers. You're having glasses of wine or whatever it is. You know, when you track it and even if you go over your calories, you can be like, wow, okay, it's not the pizza they overdid with, did it with. It's actually the wine. So in the future, instead of just pouring myself glass after glass after glass, I'm going to commit to two glasses because I really overdo it with the alcohol. And so it can be really insightful into your eating habits and where you maybe lose control or where you have a hard time saying no to. It can be really, really insightful. Two, it's accurate data to have, right? So when you're tracking your calories and you're like, I don't understand why I'm not losing weight, you can go back and look and be like, oh, okay, on Saturday and Sunday, I crushed 4,000 calories. So that ended up averaging me out for the week. And so I'm actually at maintenance for the week. And so it's helpful and insightful for when you're feeling a certain way, when your emotions start to take over when it comes to your progress. You can give yourself a little dose of reality and be like, well, you know what? I feel like I should be losing weight. But when I go back and look at my numbers, yeah, I hit 1,800 calories Monday through Friday. But Saturday and Sunday, I hit 4,000 calories. That actually puts me at a, I don't know what the average is. I'm just throwing a random number. Puts me at a 2,700 calorie average. Makes sense why I didn't see the scale drop this week. And it gives you a little bit of dose of reality. Another reason it's so, so helpful is a lot of times you didn't do, I I hate to say damage because you're not doing any damage, right? But you didn't undo your progress or do as much damage as you really think that you did. When I have clients come to me and say, hey, I didn't track on this day because I knew it was over, I make them track anyways, because there's a very important lesson they can learn again, that they probably did not undo their progress or get off track. Really, they didn't undo their progress from one week, but they did not get off track like they thought they did. I have so many examples of this, but one of my favorite examples is I have a current client now who is diabetic. And so she will have hypo episodes. And when she has hypo episodes, she's got to get sugar in her as fast as possible. And when that happens, it doesn't matter what her calories are, right? If she doesn't give sugar in her system, she will die. So I don't care about her calories at that point, right? When she hypos, she needs to go and get herself a ho-ho. She needs to grab some um, glucose tablets. She needs to get that in her system to get her blood sugar, 
right? So she had her first hypo episode when we started working together um, and she didn't track it. She's like, I know I undid it. I had six ho-hos. I felt so guilty. I'm just going to restrict all my food today, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, you're going back and you're tracking that because I know you, you one, all the other reasons I just listed, it can be helpful for us to see. And two, I didn't think she actually un undid her progress like she thought she did, right? I wanted her to see like one, okay, when you hypo, how extreme does it go? Do you shove 2,000 calories down your throat or do you shove 400 calories down your throat? Like that would be good insight to have. And also let's actually see what you truly did. So we went back to her tracking and we tracked, um, I think this, I don't think she, I don't know if she had six ho-hos or four or whatever, but she had like six ho-hos and some glucose, glucose tablets. What's really nice is the food that she chooses when she does hypo or things are in packages so she can count how many she's had, which is really helpful. So we went back, we tracked the six ho-hos, we tracked her glucose, glucose tablets, and her calorie goal was 1,700 calories each day. I think she ended up being at like 2,000. So she only went over 300 calories with her hypo episode. And so we averaged out her calories for the week and we're like, you're still hitting your calorie range. You didn't undo any of your tracking goals for the week. If you literally went to, you know, uh, 1700 calories today and didn't restrict yourself, you would still be on track for your goal. And that was a big light bulb moment for her of like, wow, okay, one, I didn't do as much damage as I thought I did. Two, I'm still hitting my range. Like I can have days where I go over my calories a little bit. And because some, some days I'd be a little bit under, it averages out. And three, you know, is it's, she would, it was easy for her to go back and track it. She realized she was like, well, you know, because I have these prepackaged things for my hypo episode, I can easily know, Hey, I, I, you know, as I'm eating it and throwing the wrappers on the floor, I can go back and count the wrappers. Like if you, if you don't know what hypoing in diabetes is, it's, it's a situation that is a very, um, critical situation. And so your brain just goes to mush. It's very hard to think it's very hard to focus. You have to get sugar in yourself as fast as possible. And so not only did we have an easy way of tracking when she has these episodes, um, she knows she doesn't overdo it. Um, and she knows that she's not going to get herself off track for her goals, right? And so there's just so much value you get from tracking even when you go over your calories, right? Same, let's, let's apply this. I always apply it to a money scenario, but it's just because it really makes sense, right? Let's say you had a budgeting goal, right? And you know, you're budgeting your money. You're like, oh my gosh, we're about to go over our budget. And then you go over your budget. You're like, well, I'm not going to keep budgeting because I feel guilty for going over our budget. That doesn't help you at all. It's helpful to see, okay, how much did we spend over our budget, right? It's helpful to see, okay, we spent only $100 over our budget. No worries. Why not we just figure out where we can cut $100 from next month's budget and we're right back on track right? Or you can be like, wow, okay, when, when I get close to our budgeting top and I stop budgeting, I spend a thousand extra dollars. Like that's not good. I need to continue to track my budget because then it really makes me put in perspective of how much I'm spending. Again, data is always so, so helpful, even if it's not ideal data that you want, right? Businesses don't just track their ROIs and their income and their and net revenue and their employees expensive and their overhead. They don't just track it when they're profiting. They track it all the time because it is helpful to have that information at all times to help you see if you need to redirect how you're doing, being honest with yourself, giving yourself a dose of reality. So if you're someone that, you know, you track Monday through Friday, when it comes to the weekend, you feel guilty and you don't track, quit. I'm going to tell you to quit that. I want you to challenge yourself 
to track on the weekend. And I want you to track honestly. I want you to over track. If you're like, hey, I think I only had, you know, a serving of ketchup, track a serving and a half just to be extra sure that you make sure you're over tracking for everything, right? Because that data is helpful to have going forward. Okay, next one I want to talk about is, you know, a common mistake I see with people with tracking is you don't spend time making this tracking thing as easy as possible for yourself. And there's going to be some things that I'm going to talk about here that you're like, well, obviously I know to do this, right? Like meal prepping, ingredient prepping, you know, having frozen meals on hand for when you're really, really stressed out um, and you don't have time to cook where it's just easy. You can grab it. You can scan the barcode. Uh, you know, if you don't have the premium version of my fitness pal, you can't scan it, but you can go in and you can enter the calories, enter in the protein info. Super, super easy. Uh, making sure you have non-cooked meals when you are overwhelmed and busy. Don't make your life harder for yourself than, than it may already be being in a deficit, right? Being in a deficit is already difficult and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed and maybe you didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. Pick your non-cooked meal, non-cooking meals. Pick your frozen meals for that. Make tracking a no-brainer for that day instead of having a complicated situation. Another way to make it as easy possible for yourself, use my fitness pals meals. And, I, and I, you may not know what I mean when I say that. If you have my fitness pal, I want you, I'm going to pull it up right now with you. I want you to pull up my fitness pal on your phone while you're listening to this podcast. Pull up my fitness pal. It's loading for me. Okay. So go to more on the bottom right. Go to my meals, recipes, and foods. And I want you to go to meals. I want you to use this thing called meals more often. And the reason I love using it is because it makes adding my meals to my fitness pal take a fraction of the time, right? If you are constantly having the same breakfast every morning, make that a meal on MyFitnessPal. Make it my favorite breakfast or the breakfast I'm enjoying right now. Put your coffee in there, put your creamer in there, put your two eggs, your two slices of bacon, your slice of toast, and your serving of jelly. Put it in there as a meal. So whenever you go to log breakfast every single morning, all you have to do, do is go to meals, my favorite breakfast, log, done. You are not having to spend three, five minutes going, okay, two eggs, slice of toast, and then butter, and then gel. Nope, it's already done. And the best part about meals is when you track meals versus rest. I never use recipes. I always use meals. And why I like using meals is because let's say you have your favorite breakfast one morning, right? And you decide to not have the piece of toast. You still add the meal to my, fit, to my fitness pal, but after you add it, you'll see all the individual things from your meal are individual. You can just swipe and delete off the toast. It is the best thing ever. I use it for my Chick-fil-A meal. I use it for taco night. I use it for so many common things that I have all the time, right? Let me actually go through now. Let me go to more of my meals, recipes, food. Let me go to meals. Okay, let's see what I got in here. I got my breakfast routine in here. I have these tostadas that I make this every single time I make my tostadas. I use the same number of tortillas, same amount of beans, same amount of guacamole, all that. I have that in here as tostadas. But let's just say one day decide not to have any guacamole on it. I can log the tostadas, go back to my diary, and then swipe off the guacamole and just delete that off. I have my granola fruit yogurt bowls that I enjoy all the time. I have my PB honey banana toast, my chicken strawberry feta salad, my protein cereal, even on my Chipotle order on here, I get the same damn thing every single time I go to Chipotle. I have that on here as a meal. So if for some reason, I decide not to get corn one time. I can just log it and then swipe off my corn. 
There's another way I have my Chipotle meal logged as well. But like, go ahead and start using the meal section of my fitness pal as much as possible. Literally set a one night when you are at home, not doing anything, you're watching some trash TV. I want you to pull up my fitness pal and think of the most common meals that you have. And I want you to create meals out of them. And it will make it so much quicker. Like I'm just thinking today, I could probably log my entire day right now just from meals. Like, let me go in here. So today, this morning, I had my favorite breakfast. So I logged that. I had my granola fruit yogurt for a snack this morning. I would log that. I did have soup and chicken for um, lunch today. I don't have that as a meal. So that's just two, two clicks, right? Soup and my chicken. Tonight, we're having tacos. I had that as a meal. So I literally had to do five clicks, right? I, one click for my breakfast routine, one click for my fruit and granola bowl, two clicks for my chicken and soup, and then one click for my tacos tonight. Done. Easy. Already done. And on top of that, let's just say you are having your fruit and granola bowl. And so for my fruit and granola bowl, let me just explain. I, do, I literally know this recipe by heart. I do 170 grams of yogurt. I do 120 grams of strawberries, 70 grams of blueberries, and 62 grams of granola. Let's just say I want to do 200 grams of strawberries. All I do again is hit granola bowl, go back to my diary, go to strawberries and type in 200 grams instead of 120. Boom, it's automatically done, taken care of. I hope a lot of light bulbs are going off here right now because the more time you spend making this process as easy and as seamless for you as possible, the easier tracking will become. And again, this is a big mistake because a lot of people find tracking really, really hard. And so because it's so hard, they just avoid it at all costs, right? I have um, you know, clients who struggle with tracking bulk meals, right? And so a lot of times they'll avoid making bulk meals for themselves because they find it difficult. I'm like, hey, instead of avoiding it, let's face this head on. Let's make this as easy as possible. Why is it hard? What, what's the math that you're doing? Why is this becoming difficult? How can we make this easier for you? And for a lot of these bulk meals they make, right, we could just spend one time really getting at the math make it a food or a meal on my fitness pal. And then it's taking care of them for infinity beyond as long as they're making that exact same recipe every time, right? Or again, we can make it a meal. And if the recipe changes, right, you're using six ounces of beans instead of four ounces of beans, you just go in and you, you change that up, right? So spend some time making this for, as easy for you as possible. I want you to identify whenever you are and it may not even be a struggle, right? It doesn't take me a lot of time to put in my coffee and my English muffins and my um, butter in the morning. Like it really doesn't. But why not make that easier for myself, right? That's my current breakfast routine. And so I want you every time you go in to track, think, okay, how can I make this easier? Or what's the difficult part of it for me right now? And how can I make that process easier for myself? So that's going to be, again, a really big common mistake is you don't spend time making this easier for yourself. And it's you have to spend time in the hard to make it easier for yourself, right? Just like riding a bike or learning to swim. In order to make swimming easier for yourself, you have to get jump in the water, have some floaties, and spend time in the water learning how to swim, right? So I hope that was a big light bulb one. I feel like when I introduced the meal aspect of my fitness pal to a lot of clients, they're like, oh my gosh, this is life-changing, right? Again, you can do it for your meals that you have at home. You can do it for your favorite uh, uh, fast food places, your favorite dining out places, 
all of those things that you commonly eat or maybe you don't even commonly eat. Maybe it's a one-time thing, but you just want to put it in there. So in any chance you decide to have that meal in the future, it's already there. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. The next one is forgetting sauces and cooking oils. You know, when you're cooking your salmon, your burger, your filet, right, in your pan at home and you put a tablespoon of butter in there, you, know, you put in a tablespoon of olive oil, do not forget to track those things and your sauces, right? A lot of times you'll make a salad. Again, you can put the salad into my Fitness Pal meal so it's always there. People forget to track their sauces. So that's a big one to make sure to tighten up. If you're having trouble seeing progress, you're just wanting to make sure that you're not making this, these mistakes. Make sure that you're tracking your oils, you're tracking your sauces, um, and you're tracking any of these liquids that you put into your meals, your recipes, anything like that. Okay, and the last one I want to go over is not pre-tracking. And I debated putting this one on here because it's not a mistake not to pre-track, but man, you're missing out on some easy ways to make sure you're successful if you're not pre-tracking. And usually why people are so on the fence about pre-tracking is they don't know, and I'm doing air quotes, like what to eat. I don't know what I want tomorrow. I don't want to eat tomorrow. Okay, well, neither do I, but like I can at least get an idea and put in my fitness pal what I think I want to eat, right? Like, again, I eat the same thing for breakfast every single day. Why not I go ahead and put that? You know, maybe I have typically the things that I'm going to eat for dinner, I have an idea. So let me just log something. And then if it doesn't end up being what I want to eat, I always can change it. But when you pre-track, right, you're saying, okay, I have a calorie goal to hit and I have a protein goal to hit. I'm going to do a little jigsaw puzzle, right? And I'm going to put in what I want for breakfast. I'm going to put what I want to want for lunch. I'm going to put what I, I want for dinner. And then I'm going to look to see where my calories are and where my protein is. And if they're not where I want my goals, I can go in and change things right? So you're automatically setting yourself up for success when you pre-track because you know what you're going to eat. You know how much you're going to eat. You, you, you already know if you're going to hit your calorie goal and your protein goal before you even attempt the next day. So pre-tracking is a very common stake that I see for either brand new clients or people I talk into the DMs. They're just like, I have a hard time hitting my calorie goal. I'm like, well, are you pre-tracking? They're like, no, right? It's kind of, again, back to the money thing. It's like budgeting, right? It's it, instead of saying, okay, I'm just going to spend money on groceries and see how much money I spent on groceries. You're saying, hey, I have $200 per week to spend on groceries. I'm going to plan out, you know, what our meals are, you know, what we're potentially going to eat to make sure I'm only spending $200 on our groceries this week, right? And through budgeting and through only spending $200 every single week on groceries, you're kind of like, okay, like I know where I want to spend my money. I know what gets used. I know what things go to waste. Like I'm not going to buy, you know, these lettuce bowls anymore because we don't get to eating them. And so they just go to waste. So I'm not going to be buying lettuce bowls anymore. So you do a lot of planning and a lot of areas in your own life, right? You don't just like say, I need to go to the dentist and just show up to the dentist and go, well, if they have a time slot for me, great, I'll take it. If they don't, then I'll just go home. No, you call, you get an appointment. And you schedule the time and make sure you're successful and make sure you have a spot where you can go to the dentist and, and be there so you could get your teeth cleaned and get them checked up, right? And I think we also have to realize pre-tracking takes the exact same amount of time as tracking in the moment or after your, your meals, right? A lot of people are like, well, I don't want to sit down for 15 to 30 minutes. Well, first of all, it shouldn't be taking you 15 to 30 minutes anyways. It really should at the end of the day, hopefully take you, you know, maybe five to 10 minutes. Like, Maybe when you're first starting pre-tracking, it's not as second nature to you. Maybe it does take you 15, 30 minutes, right? 
But if it's taking you 15 to 30 minutes to pre-track, it's taking you 15 to 30 minutes to track after the fact, right? Because you're having to be like, okay, well, I had 30 grams of this and 40 grams of that and figure out the calories, whatever. Just do it ahead of time. There are no cons when it comes to pre-tracking, right? Maybe the one con you're thinking of is like, well, maybe I plan to have pizza and I feel like I don't want pizza. Okay, cool. You don't want pizza. Then before you eat dinner that night, track tacos and make it fit, right? I'm not, when you pre-track, it doesn't mean you have to 100% commit to those exact foods. But what it does do is if you get to lunch, you're like, hey, I'm not feeling a salad. I'm really feeling a sandwich. You can delete out the salad. You can put in the sandwich and see if it's going to hit your calories and hit your protein goal for the day. If it doesn't, then you switch back to the salad and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to have my salad today because I pre-planned it. It fit my calories. It fit my protein. But tomorrow I'm having that damn sandwich. I'm actually going to pre-track for it right now to make sure I can have that sandwich. So pre-tracking is going to take the exact same amount of time whether you do it, again, with, when you pre-track versus if you do it after. The biggest pro is that you 100% know you're going to hit your calorie goal versus you're guessing and hoping you're going to hit your calorie goal when you track after you're eating, right? And if you want to even take baby steps, right? Some I have some clients come to me, they don't even track before they eat something, right? They'll eat the sandwich and then track it after and then eat the burger for dinner and track it after and then they're, they're out with their calories. Maybe even start smaller of tracking your food before you eat it. I honestly think that's actually even harder because when you are sitting there for lunch, you're like, okay, like I want a salad and you track your salad. You're like, crap, it's not going to fit for today. Then you're having to fumble through all your, all your potentials in that moment when you could have just done it the night before or the morning of when you had time to go through it. But now you're trying to get to lunch and you're trying to be back, you know, to your desk before your lunch hours up and you're fumbling through what you, what you want to eat. And you're wasting a lot of time when you could have figured that out when you actually had. So if you don't want to pre-track your whole day, at least track before you eat something. Um, but I really, really would encourage you to pre-track before you, the, the whole day before. And let's even apply this to the weekend, right? I have all of my clients, I encourage and, and have them pre-track their weekend, right? They know they're going to a baby shower. They know they're going out to dinner with the girls. Baby shower might be a little bit harder because you're not sure what foods are going to be there, but you could just even be like, hey, I'm just going to slap 600 calories into my fitness pal to reserve for the baby shower. And that's still pre-tracking, right? If they're going out to dinner on Friday night with girlfriends, um, I ask where they're going. And if they're like, well, I don't know, no one's decided. Then I go, perfect. You decide. You pick three places that you know are easy to track, that you uh, maybe even have calories on the menu, that you know you're going to enjoy the food. Send them those three options, let them pick from those three, and then they pick. And then you get to pick what you want from the menu and you can track it really, really easily, right? Like, let's make that decision now. And, you know, worst case scenario, if you don't find out till, you know, Thursday evening, then you can track pre-track Thursday evening. Or you can even go a step further and be like, hey, guys, I know we're all having a really hard time making a decision where to go. I have a health and fitness goal right now. And so it'd really be helpful for me if we can figure out where we're going now so I can go and pre-track. Um, do you guys want me to pick the place or do you guys want to spend the next day figuring it out and we'll try and decide by Wednesday evening, right? Like be forward like that. Express your needs um, to your friend group, to your family. Like there's nothing wrong with you saying, hey, I have a certain goal right now. Like again, I can apply this to money all day long, right? Let's say your friends want to go out to eat and they're not sure and you're like, hey guys, you know, I'm currently budgeting right now. I'm saving up for a house. 
would you mind if we all went out to Chipotle or Cheesecake Factory or Chili's together? Because those would be financially easier for me to make happen. They all would probably be like, yeah, like either one of those places are great. Why don't you pick? Right. If you really have supportive friends, hopefully they, you know, hopefully you have supportive friends. You know, that's what they're going to say. They're going to be supportive of that. So why should it be any different when you have these health and fitness goals? So not only do I want you to pre-track your days, I want you to pre-track your weekends. And I, I also get the pushback from clients of, well, I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. OK, well, you probably roughly do. If you're a homebody, you probably for the most of the time stay home and maybe you don't really need to super pre-track. Right. If you're someone that does something once every single weekend. Then at least, you know, you have an idea of you're probably going to do something Saturday. You probably are going to do something Friday night. Or maybe just practice, right? Maybe you have nothing going on this weekend. You're like, okay, if the girls were to ask me to go out to drinks tonight, how would I pre-track that, right? Like, we're going to go out to the bar. Okay, I'm going to have three vodka sodas. I'm going to pre-track that. I would stick to three vodka sodas. Just practice that. But pre-tracking is so underrated because it's, it's planning. And we plan in all areas and aspects in our life, whether it comes to when we're going to get our workouts in, if you're not pre-tracking or not pre-tracking, if you're not planning when you're going to workouts in, start doing that because it's really helpful. You know, you plan when your kids' soccer tournaments are, are going on, you know, when their practices are going on, you know, when you have to go to work, you know, when you have a dentist appointment. Why can't we pre-plan food in, in our life, right? Why can't we just do with our food what we do with other areas in our life to make our lives easier? Imagine a life where you didn't plan when you went to the dentist. You don't plan where you got your haircut. You don't plan when you what time you're going to go out to dinner with your girlfriends, right? Like that would be the most chaotic thing, right? You want to be like, hey, let's all just show up on Friday and just all see if we show up at the same time. Like, no, you would plan the day and the time. So do the same thing when it comes to the weekends to make yourself, not even the weekends, even during the week to make yourself more successful. Don't make that common tracking mistake of not pre-tracking your food, okay? And I know sometimes you're not going to be able to, right? But if you can do this most of the time, it's going to make it so much easier for when it's on the fly and you do have to track something last minute. You're already so used to pre-tracking. You'll know how to do it on the fly as well. All right, guys, that is everything for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you have any feedback or any big takeaways from this, please let me know. Please let me know if that MyFitnessPal um, little tip and trick was helpful. I've thought about doing like a whole podcast on my fitness pal kind of tips or tricks. It might be a little hard because, you know, there's no visual, but it could be one of those podcasts where you grab my fitness pal and we walk through it together. Um, but I've been using my fitness pal for a hot moment. So if that's something you guys would be interested in, please let me know. But other than that, have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Damn Strong Podcast. Show me some love by leaving a review and sharing a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram stories. Until next time, stay strong.